Welcome to Crunch Time. This is episode number three. And I'm Jacob Cox, your host as always. It is Saturday, February 1st of 2020. The Super Bowl's tomorrow. And we're going to be covering that, but that's going to be the second thing on the docket today. The first thing we're going to be leading off with is Kobe Bryant. And the Lakers had a tribute to him last night. We're going to be talking about him as a person on and off the court and all the accomplishments he made. Then we're going to get into the Super Bowl preview and predictions there. Then turn it over to Lions Talk. Richard Sherman made some unique comments about the Detroit Lions culture. Is he right? Is he wrong? We're going to dive into exactly what he said. And then I'm going to break down, do I believe it or not? And then who should the Pistons trade away? The whole team? Just a couple of guys or nobody? We'll dive into some Pistons talk as the deadline approaches, and then a non-sports topic to round out the episode today. Ice cream flavors. Two unique ice cream flavors will be hitting the market soon. So what are some other unique flavors that we really haven't heard of? We're going to get going on episode number three of Crunch Time with Jacob Cax. I said the first topic is going to be Kobe Bryant. Um, is he passed away in a helicopter accident last weekend? His daughter, Gianna, was also in the helicopter with her. I'm sorry, with him. And a total of, I believe, nine lives were lost in the helicopter accident. And so... I don't really want to get into the accident itself. I kind of want to talk about Kobe Bryant, the man he was on the court, the man he was off the court. Lakers had a nice tribute to him last night. It was the first game that they have played since the accident at home in L.A. The court had 28, I'm sorry, 24 and 8 plastered on, on both sides. Ends of the court, on the court, on the sidelines. The Lakers all wore 24. Before the game, every player was announced as Kobe Bryant during the starting lineups for the Lakers. It was very heart It was a heartfelt moment, I believe. And, you know, you saw a lot of emotion, especially from LeBron James, Anthony Davis. But beside just the Lakers, a lot of teams have chosen to give a tribute to Kobe Bryant. Twenty Number 24 and 8 have really not been worn in this league since the tragic accident. You've seen, you've seen many guys that were 24 or 8 say, hey, I'm not wearing it anymore. And you saw Trey Young say, hey, I'm going to wear it for one game. And then he went off. You've seen every team do their shot clock violation, 24-second shot clock violation, an 8-second violation. You've seen it all happen at the start of every NBA game. You've seen guys that look up to Kobe, have looked up to Kobe, have tremendous games since the accident. Kobe's still leaving his mark on the NBA. Still is. You know, I think one of his most memorable parts of his career was the 81-point game. He's forever a Laker. 
He lived his dream. He grew, you know, in high school, he said, wanted to wear the purple and gold. That was always that little kid's dream was to be a Los Angeles Laker. Next thing you know, he was one. He was one. And I think it means a lot to a kid like that to have lived his dream. He could have gone to the NBA, could have played for any other team, and that team would be great, and Kobe Bryant would still be the person he is. But it's special that he was a Los Angeles Laker, and he lived his dream, and he played for a a organization and, and a, a franchise who is so historic, and he's part of the reason that they're so historic. You know, I hate to throw off, get off the NBA Kobe Bryant track, but the, the New York Yankees didn't win a a World Series title in the 2010s. Kobe Bryant dominated decades. 20 years he gave to the NBA. 20 years he gave to the Los Angeles Lakers. And you've seen Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless and Max Kellerman, they all gave their comments, but Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless used to say the same thing. Kobe Bryant is the closest player to Michael Jordan since Michael Jordan. And I'm not trying to get into the GOAT talk. Who's the greatest of all time? Is it MJ? Is it Kobe? Is it LeBron? Those are your top three guys. I'm not going to have that conversation today. I'm not going to get into who's the GOAT, who's not. I'll get into that in the summer when there's nothing else to talk about. But I think... And I, there's a YouTube video, I'll share it off the Crunch Time JC Twitter account, I'll, I'll share it on the podcast Twitter account. There is a YouTube video <clears throat> of Kobe doing the same moves as MJ. And in that video, I don't know the sportscaster or talk show guy, whoever said it. He goes, if you electronically change the colors and uniforms, you won't be able to tell who's who. If it was black and white, no numbers, no colors, no nothing. You wouldn't know if it was MJ or Kobe making that shot, doing that. No. And I think that's what is so interesting about Kobe Bryant and about this whole topic that we're on. He's a Laker forever. He is one of the most... Dominant players to ever play the game. And he will always be remembered like this. He's a champion. MVP. He met greatness. He wasn't on the verge of greatness. He was. He met greatness. And he met it in stride. In his last game, he had 61 points. He struggled in the first quarter. He closed it out by making his like five threes. And he got it going. ESPN played the farewell game not too long ago, and it was very special. Again, you were feeling it in the old heart. It was tragic and sad to hear that Kobe Bryant died. And I think when it first happened, a lot of people were like, hey, TMZ, get your shit together because this is not true. But it was. You know, there there was those... I think 10, 15, 20 minutes where people were like, this isn't true, this isn't true, they got hacked. And I I remember I was just sitting there, refresh Twitter, refresh, 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 turn on the news, refresh, refresh. This isn't true. 
Kobe Bryant couldn't have passed away. Then you get the confirmation and you're just like, wow. The one person, like, for that, the rest of that day you felt, I can't believe he's dead. I can't believe that he passed away. This guy who changed the way people thought about basketball. Who changed the way a basketball player should act. A human being should act. You know, this was the guy on the highest of highs. Lived one of the, you know, he's top three NBA player all time. But he didn't act like it. He said, you know what? I go to work. No one's outworking me. I don't care I'm the greatest. I'm going to continue to work. And when I retire from the game, I'm going to give back. I'm going to push everybody else to be great. This was a great human being. We didn't just lose one of the greatest basketball players to ever play the game. We lost one of the greatest human beings on the planet Earth. It just, it touches everyone because he was such a great basketball player. He affected so many people. He inspired so many people. And at the end of the day, his death is tragic. And for his daughter to be one of his daughters to be in the helicopter with him is, you know, it, it tugs on the heartstrings even more. And then there was other kids in the helicopter. There was a mom and dad of the other kids in the helicopter. It is a tragic day. All around. On and off the court. He was a great human being. Fantastic human being. You know, you saw him the day before he passed away. LeBron James passed him in all-time scoring. I think LeBron's now third. Kobe is now fourth. And not even 24 hours later, there is no more Kobe Bryant. And that's just terrible. You know, last night in the Lakers tribute uh, to Kobe Bryant, they did fall to the Trailblazers. Uh, But you saw an emotional LeBron James, Anthony Davis before the game. LeBron came out and spoke. A lot of people came out and spoke. And it was all for Kobe. You know, before the Grammys, I think, you know, Laker fans showed their support going to the Staples Center. The Like the whole world, it didn't stop, but everything was kind of paused. Everything was on the back burner. People were showing support for Kobe because that's what's most important at that time. And I don't think anyone could have really gotten mad for people showing support. His wife, they're going through a lot right now. You just lost your husband and your daughter. She, She had an Instagram post of, you know, thank you for everyone showing support. It's heart touching. It really is. Really does tug at your heartstrings. Really does. It's it's an emotional thing. I think, you know, Kobe Bryant. People looked up to him, and you know, the the young players in the NBA grew up watching Kobe. High school basketball players today grew up watching Kobe. The middle schoolers, the young kids, they grew up watching LeBron James. But who did LeBron grow up watching? Kobe and MJ. 
Those were the guys, the young guys in the NBA, wanted to be like Kobe. Wanted to be like MJ. But another point has also been brought up. Everyone wanted to play like MJ. But who'd you want to, who do you want to be as a human? You want to be like Kobe Bryant. And I think that's one thing to take away. Your work ethic and who you are as a human being. And that's the impact Kobe Bryant made. Made. On today's society and impact on the world. No one's going to outwork you. And leave your, you know, the place you're at better than it was when you got there. Be a great human being. Let's move on. No more sad stuff. Super Bowl Sunday is tomorrow. We got a preview. We got a prediction coming up right now. All right, 49ers Chiefs, Jimmy Garoppolo versus Patrick Mahomes. This game should be great. I think this is going to be one of the best Super Bowls that we've seen in a long, long time. We've seen some great ones already, uh, but this one's going to be a unique one. It's going to be a great one. I want to talk about the Chiefs first, and then we're going to get to my prediction. I think this, hey, you've got an elite quarterback. You've got an average quarterback. You don't have top-name running backs. Think you got two top name tight ends. One team has more elite wide receivers. One team has a more elite front seven. Can this can this game get any better when you just when you when you name off that stuff? Can this game get any better? Seriously. Tight ends being great. Front seven. Elite wide receivers. Good quarterback. Average quarterback. Seems great. Let's get her done. Talk about the Chiefs first. On offense, top names to watch, Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, and Travis Kelsey. The offense, you know, the Chiefs' offense, once they get going, once they get into a rhythm, there's no stopping them. They could score every single time they get the football once they get into that rhythm. Unstoppable. And a slow start in this game doesn't really mean anything because they've had slow starts the past two playoff games they've played in and still managed to win by, like, three scores. So the slow start really doesn't mean anything to this Chiefs team. Slow start's a slow start. It is what it is. No, that's the honest truth. So, Patrick Mahomes... Elite. Tyree Kill, elite. Travis Kelsey, elite. This offense, elite. Might be one of the best offenses we've seen in the NFL in maybe forever, or at least a really long time. So, how can the 49ers stop them? Well, that's, you know, that's a unique question that I'm going to get to in a minute. But I want to talk about the Chiefs' defense for a second. Okay. This defense just slowed down one of the most dominant running backs in the NFL, Derrick Henry. Now, Mostert, Raheem Mostert, San Francisco's running back, is nowhere near, nowhere near what Derrick Henry is. 
So obviously, this defense can slow him down. He had a big day against the Packers in the NFC Championship. But can he have a big day in the Super Bowl against Frank Clark and Tyrone Mayhew? Can he have a big day against those guys? I think that's the big question being asked when the 49ers have the ball or the Chiefs defense is on the field. Can this defense stop Mostert? But see, here's the thing. Even if you do, Jimmy G isn't a rollout, kind of sling it down the field quarterback. It's not who he is. He's a nickel and dime down the field quarterback. Said that after they played the Packers. He's going to nickel and dime his way down the field and be very efficient. So Mostert doesn't necessarily have to go off to make a huge impact in this game. He has to be average. Or give at least give Jimmy G an opportunity to nickel and dime his way down the field. And in doing so, Mostert, you know, carry here, carry there for four or five yards, touchdown, touchdown. It could be in a it could be a very efficient day for the 49ers without any big plays. Let's not forget about George Kittle. Tight end. He can block and he can go deep. He's got wheels. He's got hands. He's a big boy. I ain't getting in front of him. I think Mostert's going to be able to run the ball effectively. Not saying he's going to have a 200-yard day, but I think he's going to be able to run the ball very effectively. Like I said, Jimmy G's the average quarterback in this Super Bowl. But nickel and diming his way down the field is all the 49ers need him to do. They don't need him to have a huge day, you know, 67-yard play, 55-yard play. Now a little 15-yarder, a little 7-yarder, a little 8-yarder first down. Yeah, maybe we'll go 25-plus yards. That'll do. You know, check 35-yarder down the field. It is what it is. We need him to be chucking the ball down the field 70, 80 yards. Doesn't need to happen. You don't need to have those plays to beat this Chiefs defense. But now we go to the 49ers defense. Talk about them. This front seven might be one of the most dominant front sevens in the game. In the whole league right now, this might be one of the most dominant front sevens. And they're going to dominate this Super Bowl. They can stop Mahomes. They can stop the deep ball. They can force this offense to do things they usually don't do. They can force turnovers. We've seen Patrick Mahomes be sloppy with the ball. They forced Aaron Rodgers, the guy who isn't a turnover machine, the guy who always takes care of the football. They forced him to what? Put the ball on the turf three times? He put the ball on the turf once through two picks. Something like that, right? They have a chance, guys. The 49ers defense is the key in this game. And I'm a kind of guy that says defense over offense. I like... Look, do I like offense? Yes. If I was an offensive coordinator, I'd run something similar to the Chiefs. I'd run the Chip Kelly, Oregon-style offense, run as many plays as possible, chuck the ball down the field so much. Mike Leach type thing. Not saying I'd never run the ball, but if I want to, I want to run it down your throat. But if I want to pass, I'm throwing for 50-plus yards. I'm not nickel and diming my way down the field. It's not the kind of offense I'd run. I love seeing offense. I love watching Big 12 games. I like the 48-47 type deals. 45-42. I don't like 10-3, 10-7. I don't like a defensive battle. I like a lot of offense. 
But in this particular game, you're going to get offense. So whose defense is going to rise to the occasion better? And I think that's going to be the 49ers defense. I think this 49ers defense is going to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes and win this game. So my prediction is 49ers 34, Kansas City Chiefs 27. The Lombardi Trophy is going to San Francisco. 49ers can put up 34 points. I, you know, I, I believe that. I don't think the Chiefs' defense is necessarily the greatest defense around. They're an efficient defense. You got Frank Clark, Tyron Mayhew, like I just talked about. But I think the 49ers, with Jimmy Garoppolo in, in this offense, they're going to be able to get it done and win this game. I think the front seven of the 49ers. Look, I think defense wins championships. I really do. And I think that's why when you know when we have this conversation on who you're picking and why you're picking it, I think the defense over offense. I think the 49ers defense is going to be able to slow down Patrick Mahomes enough to win this game. Really do. You know, Mahomes might turn the ball over a little bit. 49ers forced Aaron Rodgers to do it. Why can't they force Patrick Mahomes, a guy who's never played in the Super Bowl before, do it? Seriously. I mean, you had one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league, top 10 all time, Aaron Rodgers. They forced him to turn the ball over. I understand Patrick Mahomes might have more speed weapons on the field, Tyreek Hill type stuff. I get it, and that's a valid point, but this 49ers defense, and I'll get to in a minute how similar it is to the Seattle Seahawks defense, scheme-wise, everything. Seattle could slow down anybody. They didn't care who you were. They're going to slow you down. I think Kyle Shanahan has established a scheme and installed an offense that is very similar to that. We don't care who you are. We're going to slow you down. You might score points, but you're not going to score enough. My quarterback, Jimmy G, is going to be able to stop you. And that's why I've got 49ers 34, Chiefs 27 in this ballgame. 49ers Super Bowl champions, Lombardi Trophy, goes to San Francisco. This is, like I said, it's going to be an entertaining game. That's what you expect it to be, of course. Expect it to be a close game, good Super Bowl. Two, I think one defense is better than the other, but one offense is a heck of a lot better than the other. Should be a good one. We're on to the next topic here. Richard Sherman made some unique comments about our Detroit Lions. Uh, the Detroit Lions apparently offered more guaranteed money to play for Detroit, but he chose not to because of the team culture. So why don't we dive in and kind of find out? So I'm going to read a little bit of the article um, from the Athletics' Dave Lombardi. Uh, Richard Sherman said he turned down an offer from the Lions that had more guaranteed money than what he ultimately received from the San Francisco 49ers because of their culture under head coach Matt Patricia. And I quote this from Richard Sherman. The way you run their scheme, 
your culture. You want to do it the Patriots way. And that's really not the way I do football. I have fun. I like music at practice. I like to hang out and be relaxed in meetings. I don't like the stressful environment in football. Condition every day after practice. My body isn't built to run all day and night. I'll be prepared, but I don't have to run into the ground. So that's what he is saying about the Lions. And then he goes he goes on to say, hey, I can get this $20 million guaranteed and be in Detroit and lose football games, or I can go to a place where I'm very comfortable with the scheme and coach and culture, and I'm very comfortable with the things they do, and I really believe we can win. That's what he's saying about San Francisco. He believes he can win in San Francisco. Sherman said Detroit's offer included $10 million guaranteed in each of his first two seasons, um, and he was still rehabbing from his torn Achilles in the 2017 season, because this was in the 2018 offseason. When the Seahawks were making their roster cuts, Sherman was released um, after seven seasons with the team. The next day, he agreed to a three-year deal with the 49ers worth $39 million and a $5 million signing bonus. So, what does this have to do with the Lions, with Matt Patricia? Why am I talking about it? And I want to talk about it because if one of the best football players in the league is talking about how your culture is this and is that, people listen. Am I buying this story? Uh, Heck yeah, I'm buying this story. Heck yeah. Why would I not? Seriously. Do I like Richard Sherman? No, I think what he's a loudmouth. But he's a damn good football player. Damn good. Now he doesn't make the big impact in the league that he used to make because, you know, hey, I think maybe he's grown up a little bit. But I think Richard Sherman, you know, turning down more money from the Lions to play on a winning team, to be on a team he believed can win, is is head turn. Team culture. I think Matt Patricia does want to do everything the Patriot way. I think Bob Quinn does want to do everything the Patriot way. Well, hey, guess what? We're not the Patriots, so stop. Like, this team is not the New England Patriots. Do we have an elite quarterback? Yes. Do we have just as good receivers? Yeah. Let's talk about that defense. Now, Richard Sherman wasn't asking to play in the Patriots-style defense. He was asking to play in the Seattle Seahawks-style defense. Now, look, the Patriots' defense wasn't all glit. You know, they, they were very dominant at times. And Matt Patricia trying to install the elite dominant defense hasn't worked out. It's actually gotten worse. You went and signed all these Patriot players, and it hasn't worked out. And now you look like a freaking idiot. I think the Lions need to start trying to build their own brand of football instead of trying to do this Patriot way all the time. You know, I think, you know, when Richard Sherman's questioning the team culture, decide to sign with another team, and now that team is in the Super Bowl, and you're sitting here with the number over, the third overall pick, I think kind of hints at he's got a point here. And maybe we do need to listen to him. 
And we had this conversation, I think, week like 15. Coulter's might be off here in Detroit. These guys might not have Patricia, Patricia's back like they say they do. It's a valid point to bring up, and I think it is worth talking about. That's why I'm talking about it. And if you guys have a comment on it, please feel free to, 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 to you know comment on Twitter, DM me on Twitter. We'll get you on the podcast. We'll get the question on the podcast. I'll ask it. I'll, you know, we'll do what we have to do. We'll answer questions. We'll do it. But I think it is a valid point to bring up. Is the culture actually bad in, in Detroit? I think that's what I take away from this more than Richard Sherman just making some comments. I think he, you know, he, he incites culture here. He incites a culture problem. Could it be Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn trying to do everything the Patriot way, actually, you know, having guys not like playing in Detroit? Could that possibly be the reason? I think the Patriot way. You know, <clears throat> I asked everyone last offseason, right before the season got going, before the season started, you had to be in or out on the Patriot way, the Detroit Patriots. You were in or out on. And I was in. I was like, let's do this. Well, now I'm out. Because it ain't working. It, it, it isn't working. I told everyone going in, you had to be in or out. You either were going to give them it, Give them this year or you didn't want them to be here this year. Well, you know what? I was in on it. I wanted them to be there this year because I really thought that defense was going to get better. That Patriot way defense was going to be effective. It wasn't, and now you got to be on your high horse. Bob Quinn didn't want to do that. Martha Ford didn't want to do that. It is what it is. They're going into year three. But I'm not in on it anymore. I don't think this is going to work. I don't think... Matt Patricia can necessarily build that Patriot way defense that he had in New England. And that defense did fine without him. That defense was very, very good this year. So Matt Patricia leaves. The New England Patriots defense stays atop of the league. Right? Fair enough. So we look at Matt Patricia's defense now here in Detroit. They had a good first year. They got better. Year two. They're one of the freaking worst in the league. Bottom half. But like, bottom quarter. Like, bottom two in the league. So, I think it's worth bringing up a point. Culture here in Detroit. Because in addition of Rich... Like, I, I don't like the personality of Richard Sherman. I don't think, you know, after the Crabtree incident with Aaron Andrews. and He's a me guy. He's definitely a me guy. But I think, you know, like I said, he's a damn good football player. And I think it's worth, the, the point he brings up is worth talking about. The culture in Detroit. The problem we've got in Detroit. And wanting to do everything the Patriot way has steered guys, guys the wrong way. Maybe steered guys away from Detroit unless you played for the Patriots. You know, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn haven't had any problem going out and signing former Patriot players. But everyone else, top talent around the league, you've missed out on some guys. And some of the other signing outside the other signings outside of the Patriot players haven't turned out to look that great. Even the Patriot players haven't turned out to look that great. 
And I'm not talking about the NFL draft today because I don't want to. I don't want to talk about the Lions draft. It doesn't interest me. Really doesn't. But I think the Lions have a culture problem. Only way to solve it, get rid of Matt Patricia. But I guess we'll have to wait till year three. Is what it is. Take what you want. Comment what you want. Feel free to leave a comment on uh, the comments on Twitter or send me a message. Do whatever about this comment. But I found it. Bring it up. Down to give my little opinion on it. It's unique culture problem in Detroit, says Richard Sherman. It's time again. Pistons basketball talk. Who should they be trading away here at the upcoming NBA deadline? I've got one simple answer for you, but I want you to I want you to say your answer real quick. Okay, I want you to tell me what your answer would be. Who should the Pistons trade away at the NBA deadline? I'm gonna give you a second to answer. It's a very interesting question. Who will interim GM Ed Stefanski trade away? Here's my answer. Every single player in that uniform is up for sale. Every single player wearing that Motor City Blue, that Pistons, that Detroit, is eligible to be traded. There's nobody I'm saying, ha, you can't touch them. There's nobody on this team that I would say that. About like I, I I'm serious. Why would you not like put everyone on the table? You have to. D Rose and Drummond are obviously the top two targets, but I put every single player on this Pistons team on this Pistons roster on the table. You know, someone wants Canard, take him. You really want Blake Griffin? Take him. You know, Morris, Wood, Galloway. Take them all. Dumboyoya might be the only guy I might not. But in reality, I say take him. You know, du- uh, Siku Dumboyoya is 19. He might be the only guy I say, hey, don't touch. But someone wants Someone wants Andre? Take him. Someone really wants Blake. I mean, I know you're not going to, but that's why you should have traded him away last year. Uh, but Blake, yeah, you probably not touch Blake. Someone wants Reggie. I mean, hey, go ahead. Kennard, like I said. You know, obviously D. Rose is the top target. You know, D. Rose, you know, obviously he's been through a lot of injuries, but the guy's still only 31 years old. He's not going to be asking for a whole lot of money. Gonna be asking for a good amount, but you take him, get get you going into that playoff run. But I think this this Pistons team needs a full rebuild. This team is ugly, you know. And and why would you want to keep anyone on this team? Obviously, you're gonna keep a majority of the guys, but everyone should be on the board. Like I said, it may except maybe Dumboya. Now I'm not saying get rid of these guys for nothing at all. But if there's a good offer on the table, you better take it. And I think there would be no reason not to take it. The Pistons are a bad basketball team. They just watch these games. They just don't. 
They don't have enough. And I'd rather see them sink to the bottom than try to just maintain something that they can't maintain anyways. Like, the Pistons don't have a direction here. The Pistons kind of just are trying to make that playoff spot. But in reality, what is the point of making the playoffs? You're going to lose in the first round. And if you just try to maintain that forever, all you're going to do is be a a consistent non-playoff team. Maybe you get the eighth seed and get swept every single year. You've got to go to the bottom in hopes you get a Zion-type player and get you to the top. Because I think Zion will be able to take the Pelicans to the top of the West and be able to compete in the West. Not right now. Season's kind of halfway over. It is what it is. But I think they'll they will eventually get there. So the Pistons gotta fall. You gotta fall. And you might be there for a while. It is what it is. But it's better than being in a useless situation every single year, which is what the Pistons are in every single year. You're either gonna get the seven or eight seed, get swept out of the first round, or you're gonna miss the playoffs and not have a top ten pick. So the Pistons, trade your best players away. You get that offer at the deadline, tell them goodbye. Tell them thank you. Love that you were here. You did a lot for us. But it's time to hit the road, Jack. It really is. We're here at the last topic of today's episode of episode number three. Yes, as you probably already noticed, today's episode isn't as long as it normally is. But hey, that's okay. We're, t- we're covering a, uh, well, I am talking about a very interesting topic today. It's called ice cream flavors, all right? Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Lucky Charms are coming soon as ice cream flavors. And I'm ready to try. It, and I'm serious. I believe these ice cream flavors could be very good. They could be nasty. You're right. They could be very nasty. But guess who's going to try? Me. I'm going to try them. I think this... Ooh, I'm ready. I'm ready for them to hit the market. I saw it I, I saw it this week on Twitter. Uh, that these flavors were hitting the market soon. They said, coming soon, Cinnamon Toast Crunch flavored ice cream along with Lucky Charms flavored ice cream. So I decided, hey, let's let's talk about this on the podcast. Let's bring it up. What are some other flavors out there? All right. Now, when I looked this up, what are some other flavors out there? I didn't expect to get the response that I did. I didn't expect to read the article that I did. But hey, we're here. It is what it is. Okay. I want to introduce you to a flavor that's called pickled mango ice cream. As one of the country's most decorated ice cream makers, uh, an Ohio-based ice cream company is consistently pushing the boundaries of unique treats as evidenced by her lineup of limited edition flavors. And last summer, pickled mango, a cream cheese-based ice cream. With a slightly spicy mango sauce. Uh, White pepper is in there as well. And this year, 
So this summer, so that pickled mango was last summer. This summer, the flavor hitting the market will be goat cheese with red cherry ice cream. So, you know, I, I'm just saying. That's, 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 like, if you think Cinnamon Toast and Lucky Charms ice cream is weird, pickled mango and goat cheese with red cherry ice cream. The next one, I've got corn on the cob. All right. Corn on the cob ice cream. That doesn't need an explanation or an introduction. Corn on the cob ice cream. Look, if you, if you really want to eat corn on the cob, just go buy some. You don't have to eat ice cream, corn on the cob. That's a little weird. Pear and blue cheese, salty and sweet ice cream. In Portland, Oregon, pear and blue cheese ice cream is apparently popular. You can put strawberries on it, cracked pepper, pear with blue cheese, a well-balanced mix of sweet Oregon Trail pears mixed with crumples. Of blue cheese. Yum. Like, what? Again, if you thought Crunch, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and Lucky Charms was weird, try some pear and blue cheese ice cream. Now, I think this one is going to get a lot of people. Ghost pepper ice cream. Traditional isn't the word you choose to describe. Ghost pepper ice cream. This is in Delaware. They don't have vanilla. They don't have African vanilla, Madagascar vanilla bean. It is ghost pepper. All right. Ghost pepper ice cream, a bright red vanilla ice cream mixed with cinnamon and a Carolina Reaper pe pepper mash. Uh, there's also ghost pepper ice cream with Ripley's, believe it or not. Um... You have to sign a waiver if you plan to order this ice cream. You have to sign a waiver. Obviously, because we've seen people try ghost peppers. And they cry. They do all that kind of stuff. You know, they cry. They like Because it's ghost pepper. It's a ghost pepper. It's like you're eating a ghost pepper. We've seen people like cry. You know, go to the hospital because of a ghost pepper. You have to sign a waiver to eat ghost pepper ice cream. Ghost pepper ice cream. So if you thought Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Lucky Charms is weird, ghost pepper ice cream is for you. We're at the last one. All right. The last topic. I'm sorry, not the last topic. The last flavor of ice cream that I'm going to talk about is Cheeto ice cream. Yes, Cheeto ice cream. Started out as an experiment in an ice cream truck and uh, morphed into New York City's most swoon-worthy ice cream shops, where toppings make for an, an adventure. Um, a Cheetos-inspired cone where vanilla and cream or cheese ice cream is dipped in Cheeto dust. So it's vanilla and cheese ice cream is dipped into Cheeto dust. How do you guys feel about that? It's very interesting, to say the least. Very, very interesting. Cheeto ice cream. But I think what's more interesting 
is that if you, when I said cinnamon toast crunch and lucky charm ice cream, you said, hey, I'm never going to try that. That's too weird. Right? Think about pickled mango, corn on the cob, pear and blue cheese, ghost pepper ice cream. Think about that for a second. I hope you enjoyed this non-topic, non-sports topic. Because ice cream flavors, hey, that's where it's at. But more importantly, I hope you enjoyed episode number three of Crunch Time with Jacob Cox. Talked about Kobe. We talked about the Super Bowl preview and prediction. Richard Sherman's comments on the Lions. Who should the Pistons trade away? Everybody. And then we rounded it out with ice cream flavors. I hope you join me for number four. I hope you keep listening. You can also visit the website for this podcast and articles at crunchtimewithjacobcox.wordpress.com. I hope you follow me on Twitter at jacobcox underscore 24 or the Crunch Time Podcast on Twitter at crunchtimejc. I hope you'll be back for episode number four. I hope you liked three. If you haven't listened to two and one, go do that now. It's on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify and a ton of other platforms. Thank you for joining me. Have a great day.